motto among churches of Christ, you may have picked up, you may have heard this many times, is speak where the Bible speaks. Be silent where the Bible is silent. Uh, we've said that many times. We've talked about that. Uh, uh, we might also, you may have also heard, well, our creed is the Bible and the Bible only. As the body of Christ, our intention, our goal is to look like Jesus, to be like him, to follow him, to do as he has done. Uh, he is our role model, and so we look to him as an example of how to live and how to interact with others, how to, live, uh, how, how to go through our lives. That's, uh, really, that's been a, a guiding principle for us this past year. It was our, our theme this year to, to look at Jesus and uh, to look at his church and how the church has followed Jesus or how they have implemented the character, the lifestyle of Jesus. To fulfill that, we've been reading the New Testament. If uh, those of you that have kept up, by the end of this year, we'll have read the New Testament three times. And we will also have read the books of Luke and Acts several more times as we've concentrated looking at Jesus and how the church followed Jesus. We have been looking at the life of Jesus on Wednesday nights for this year. Uh, we're getting uh, almost, uh, uh, well, we're in uh, toward the end of Luke. And on Sunday nights, we've been looking at the book of Acts, talking about Jesus and following Jesus imitating Jesus, being Jesus in the world. How did the Christians that followed Jesus uh, in that first and second century, what did they do to be Jesus in their community? We want to look like Jesus. Uh, if we're the church of Christ, we then need to be Christ in this community. What... Uh, now, I know that we don't have this, and, and, uh, but maybe mentally it's kind of somewhere in the back of our mind. If we had a scorecard, uh, uh, what would our success be at being like Jesus? It, uh, we would probably score ourselves reasonably well, but if Jesus were looking at us, what would he say? What would he look? What, well, he'd say, well... Uh, uh, you got, would he say anything fairly good? Or would he say, you've missed it everywhere around, all the way around? Well, in some areas, I think we've done well. Some areas, I think that uh, we have a compassion for others. We, we want to worship our God. In other areas, I don't know if we've done that well. Uh, but we're working on them. And that's the reason why we've been looking at Jesus all year long, because we want to work at our, our being Christ, being His body here on earth. Uh, and today I want to talk about something that we don't generally talk about. In fact, we almost make an effort not to talk about it because well, there are a number of spiritual disciplines. And one of them, yeah, spiritual discipline is something that you do regularly that helps you devote yourself to God. Well, prayer is one of those disciplines. Bible study is one of those disciplines. 
fasting is one of those disciplines. And, you know, we don't talk about fasting very well. We might use the word, but normally when we use the word, we're talking about how fast we're driving uh, or, or we're breaking our fast every morning when we have that nice breakfast. Uh, preachers, and, you know, I'm one of those, and even old churches, we've been pretty uh, silent about talking about fasting. Uh, there may be some that practice it, even regularly. But generally, we don't talk about it very much because, well, we heard what Jesus said about practicing or doing that in public so that others might know. By the way, Jesus didn't say it was wrong that others knew. It was wrong to make a show of your fasting, to do so in such a way that that it seemed like you were bragging about your practice of fasting. More likely, the reason why we don't fast isn't that we're concerned that others might know. More likely reason that we don't fast is that we don't place much value on self-control. We live in an age of self-indulgence, not self-discipline. It's all that we can have. You know, you only go around once, so grab everything you can this time. That's the motto of our culture, not self-discipline. Uh, in sometimes in self-justification, we might say, well, remember when Jesus had uh, several discussions, or one of the discussions he had about, about fasting, he was asked why his disciples didn't fast. And he said, well, it's because the bridegroom is with them now. They'll fast later. Uh, and then we might even reference Paul's statement about asceticism or, or doing without. Really didn't have, uh, being severe against the body really wasn't that much of a gain. But when you look at both of those passages, I think that that's an improper application of both. Jesus wasn't implying at all that fasting was inappropriate, just that his disciples were with him right then, that later on when he was gone, they would. And in fact, as you look through the New Testament, they did. So should we fast or shouldn't we fast? Uh, is fasting a discipline that you and I ought to take seriously and even try to, to practice in our personal lives? What does the Bible say? Well, fasting is a practice that was very common in the Old Testament, but only commanded once. In Leviticus, on the Day of Atonement, all of Israel was commanded to fast. Now, there was a regular fast, or there was regular fasting among all of the Israelites, and special occasions when they were called to fast. But the only command is about the Day of, command, uh, day of Atonement. When it was given in Leviticus chapter uh, 16. Actually, the idiom used there is to humble yourself before God. That might give us a clue as to what fasting is supposed to accomplish. Why it's significant. It is a humbling before God. Fasting was a time when... One 
put yourself before God and a time when you did not fulfill self-satisfying activities, but instead went before God in prayer, went before God in meditation, went before God seeking His guidance. God has always, and particularly as you look at this day of atonement in the law of Moses, God has wanted there to be some visible physical sign of our spiritual commitment. And so here on the day of atonement, he said, I want you to spend the day seriously thinking, grieving your sin. The reason why you need a sacrifice for sin. You need to understand that you've fallen before me. So come before me in humility. Uh, It might also be important to note that this is the only command or only time Israel was commanded. I think long before people understood diabetes or any of the other uh, problems, it wasn't a command because God knew that some people might not be able to physically endure that. There are a lot of examples of fasting, by the way. Moses and Elijah fasted for 40 days, just like Jesus had. David and Esther and Daniel fasted regularly. Uh, They did so to gain strength and courage from God. During the New Testament days, the Jews had developed a practice of fasting two days a week. Uh, Luke chapter 18 points that out. Uh, Doesn't talk about the specific times, but... Most people think from other writings that they fasted every Monday and Thursday. And so when they came to Jesus and said, on Mondays and Thursdays, your disciples aren't fasting like we do. Why? Well, because the bridegroom was with them. But then as you look throughout the rest of the New Testament, you'll see that John the Baptist fasted, Paul fasted. The Roman centurion Cornelius fasted before Peter went to his house. Church in Antioch was fasting when, when the Spirit said to them that they were praying and fasting in their worship of God. And the Spirit said, separate Paul and Silas and send them into a missionary journey. And later on during that missionary journey, Paul would fast and pray with the disciples or with the Christians in every one of those cities where he had been. Fasting was a regular activity among believers in Christ. They all fasted in their devotion, in their service to God, in their desire to be like God, in their desire to serve God. They fasted. Now, there's some things that shouldn't happen during fast. No one should fast so that others might look at them and say, oh, see his piety, see his his devotion. So from the text that uh, Kai read for us this morning, Matthew 6, verse eight, uh, 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. And when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And so... It appears as though during the day of Jesus, there were that group of uh, there was that group of people that when they fast, they I, I don't know if they just looked uh, bad. 
They didn't take a bath that morning. Or they didn't, they looked like they were fasting. Like they were grieving. Like they, they tried to look like they were holier than everybody else. It wasn't wrong that others knew that they were fasting. It, their problem was that they were trying to gain approval from others. They were advertising their fasting. They were announcing it. Look at me. Jesus says, God knows. And he's really the only one that needs to know. Another thing that we should not do when we fast is think that somehow or another we, uh, well, you know, you make your birthday wish and you don't tell anybody because you think, well, you know, if you say something, then you won't get it. And so uh, we think, if I fast, God will be more likely to give me the thing that I'm fasting about. So will a 10-day fast equal a brand new car? Or... Don't fast thinking that some way or another you are pushing God into granting a request. Especially if it's a selfish request. (laughs) That's not the purpose at all. We are not fasting. We do not fast to obligate God, to test God, to make Him grant a request. Jesus fasted 40 days in the wilderness. Remember before He began His ministry? And during that time that he went without food, he sought a greater devotion with the Lord, a greater intimacy with his Father. Don't know what all that encompassed during those 40 days. But at the end of those 40 days, he was hungry. And Satan came to tempt him. During those 40 days... They may have talked about the ministry before him. They may have talked about all that would happen during the next three and a half years. During those 40 days, they would have talked about how, yes, he is in the body of a human, but he is God on earth. You wonder sometimes if there were any doubts in the mind of the man Jesus about who he was spiritually, who he was eternally. Matthew chapter 4, verse 5. And then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you. And on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Are you sure you're God's Son? Let's do a test. Let's make God prove that you are His Son and that He's going to do everything that uh, you think He will. Because the scriptures say that he won't let you be harmed. Jump. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, again I say to you, you shall not put the Lord your God to a test. It's important for God to know the strength of our devotion and the depth of our need. But God's not keeping a scorecard to see if we're going to measure up on... uh, He isn't looking at the number of days we fast before he will grant a request of our prayer. But he does want to see where our heart is. 
he does want to see the depth of our sincerity and devotion. So why should we fast? Well, first, because we have the example of Jesus fasting. And we have the example of the church fasting. And if we're disciples of Jesus, if we want to be like Jesus, then if we're serious about being a follower of the Lord, if we really want to develop a, a strong devotion toward Him, then that's an activity that we need to think very seriously about replicating ourselves. Sure, there are some things about Jesus we'll never be able to duplicate, but that doesn't excuse us from trying. I don't know anyone that's ever been able to have a complete fast for 40 days, not humanly. But that doesn't mean that we don't seek to be like Jesus. Those examples show us of people who were earnest in prayer and conscientious in their effort to know God. So fasting would be of great spiritual value for us as well. A couple of reasons for us to, to think, well, yes, these are reasons, these are gains, these are pluses about fasting. One of them is that it helps us to humble ourselves before God. And after all, the Scriptures say again and again that the one who humbles himself before God, God will lift him up. I mentioned a moment ago, the idiom used in much of the Old Testament about fasting is humbling yourself before God. It's an expression that's used to say, God is God and I'm a man. It's an activity that shows God is God and I am a human fully dependent upon Him. Achan was one of the bad kings of Israel, or rather Ahad. Uh, Achan was not a king. He was, <laughs> that was a different story. Ahad was one of the bad kings of Israel. Uh, and he was given a warning by God, if you do not change, you will be destroyed. And hearing that warning, he tore his clothes and put on sackcloth and fasted. And the prophet Elijah then, in his prayer and talking with God, said, see how Ahad has humbled himself before me. Or God told uh, Elijah. Ahad had humbled himself before God. It's a sign of a repentant heart. It's a sign of a devoted heart. It's a sign of one who has humbled himself before God. What did Paul do after he saw Jesus on the road to Damascus? Remember, Paul had been persecuting the church, trying to destroy the church because he didn't believe in Jesus. When Jesus confronted him on the road to Damascus, Paul spent three days in prayer and fasting. The text says that he didn't even drink water. That was a complete fast for three days. Absolute fast. Fasting is a humbling of ourselves before God. It's saying to God, I'm dependent upon you. You are God and I am human. You are the one who mandates. I am the one that follows, that obeys. Another reason for fasting is that it really does help focus on prayer. It calls us back to prayer again and again. You know, Scriptures say pray without ceasing. And, and, and we say, well, that just means be ready to pray at any time. We don't spend 24 hours a day praying. We've got to work. We've got to do a number of different things. And so we are doing those different things. But if you're fasting, 
and then that hunger pain uh, rises, then you, oh, and so you pray. Almost every, if not every, single example of fasting in Scripture also includes prayer. One was always accompanied by the other. So when you feel that hunger, pain, you're, it doesn't have to be a long prayer then, but you're reminded, this is the reason why I'm doing this, to talk to God, to pray to God. Remember, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's what Jesus said when he was talking to Satan in the garden. But it's also what Moses told Israel when they were wanting manna in the wilderness. He says, your real source of food is God. When the church in Antioch was praying and fasting, that's when God spoke to them and told them to send Paul out on his missionary journey. Prayer and fasting always finds, uh, they're together that's where God oftentimes met his people. A third reason is that it demonstrates to God our earnestness and the devotion that we have, the seriousness that we have. When Ezra was leaving, leading the captives back from Babylon, back to Israel, he called a fast to show to God how they were dependent upon God's protection, how they were devoted to God instead of the powers of the world. Ezra chapter 8 verse 21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river Ahava, that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from Him a safe journey for ourselves, our children, and all our goods. For I was ashamed to ask the king for a band of soldiers or, and horsemen to protect us against the enemy on our way. Since we had told the king the hand of our God is for good on all who seek him. And the power of his wrath is against all those who forsake, uh, all who forsake him. So we fasted and implored our God for this. And he listened to our entreaty. It may seem foolish that we need to prove our sincerity to God. God knows all things. God can see uh, our heart. But God has always wanted something from us that demonstrated the level of our faith. He's always wanted us to step out and do something, to make a commitment. And truth be known that if we don't step out and do something to make our commitment, it's never really full. That's the reason why everybody, when, when somebody... You need to make a commitment. And this is a way that, God, uh, the, the, that we can make our commitment to God. He's always asked. God has always asked for some sign of your commitment. He asked Abraham, sacrifice Isaac. <laughs> Let me see just how deep your faith is. He wants more than a confession. He wants that. But he wants us to step out and do something. That's one of the reasons why I think he says to be buried in baptism for the remission of sins. He wants us to do something physically, not that, they're gain, that we gain merit that way. He just wants us to step out and do something to show the faith that's in our heart.
Fasting can serve to remind us of our spiritual priorities. The flesh and its desires are set against the spirit. And we have to tell our selfish desires, even personal needs, we have to say no so that the spirit can be more alive. During the fast, you, you're hungry, you think about food, uh, you're reminded about food. And so when we're fasting, we think, I'm seeking a closer devotion with God. I want to do His will. Remember when Jesus was walking through Samaria from Jerusalem to Galilee, and they stopped in, in, in Samaria at the well outside of Sychar, and the disciples went in to buy food. They, it was mealtime, or they'd been walking a long time. They were hungry. The disciples went in. Jesus stayed at the well. The only, uh, I don't know why it took all 12 of them to buy the food and left Jesus there by himself, but that was what happened, maybe by God's design. The woman came out and to draw water, and Jesus and she talked for a while about living water. The disciples come back, and they bring food with them, and, and uh, Jesus isn't hungry. And then Jesus, they're thinking, he ought to be famished by now, starving to death. He ought to have jumped up and grabbed that turkey leg or, you know, whatever. He ought to have grabbed that to eat. They even said, you're not hungry? And he said, I have food to eat that you don't understand. Uh, John 9, verse 31, Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat! But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know. Because man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. Instead of feasting on bread, as I'm sure the disciples did as they were coming back, eating their loaves of bread. Jesus had been feasting on the words of God and was full. Would that each one of us might be able to find ourselves filled with God, satisfied with God, The desires of the flesh are always against the desires of the Spirit, or the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 17, for the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh, for these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. Fasting, obviously, we talk about food, but it is a stepping stone of spiritual devotion. It is a first step in gaining self-control so that we don't live to satisfy ourselves, but we live to satisfy our God. So fasting helps the disciple become less attached to self, material concerns, worldly concerns, and more devoted to God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be enslaved by anything. Food is meant for the stomach and the stomach for food. And God will destroy both one and the other. We don't live for food. 
We don't live for anything in this material world. We live for the spiritual. And this discipline helps us to concentrate on the spiritual as opposed to the physical. Helps us be devoted to our God. Eating's not wrong. It's not unlawful. Uh, we have to eat in order to live day after day. We, but we're not created to eat. We're created to serve our God. Eating is just a necessary thing that we have to do to have energy to move. We do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of our God. And so fasting, number five, helps increase our self-control. Jesus told all of his disciples, you've got to learn self-denial. You've got to learn self-discipline. You have to learn to pick up your cross and follow me. And if we can't do that, then we can't really be a disciple of Jesus. We will not be Jesus. Paul said we have to conquer our fleshly desires, our appetites, bring our body into submission. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 25, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable reef, but we an imperishable. So, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. But I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So, this discipline helps us to gain control over self. Maybe that's one reason why we don't do it so much because our world is not about self-denial. It's about self-satisfying. It's about doing anything and everything and satisfying every whim. It's, it's a consumer-driven world, not a self-controlled world. Self-control is a value that's so important for Christian maturity. We cannot be mature in the Lord until we've gained a sense of self-control. Bonhoeffer, the great theologian from years ago, said there is no element of aestheticism in our, if there is no element of aestheticism in our life, if we give free rein to the desires of the flesh, we shall find it hard to train for service of Christ. We've got to learn to control ourselves. We've got to learn to deny ourselves. Not satisfy every whim. But I'm afraid, uh, unfortunately, so many of us are just like the little kid wanting every piece of candy and every good, every, we want everything we see. And we get mad if we don't get it. Peter wrote, we need to add to our faith, moral excellence, and then to that knowledge, and then to that self-control. Second Peter chapter 1. Through the Spirit includes self-control. Galatians chapter 5. So that's something that fasting will help us gain. Self-control. It doesn't earn salvation. Salvation is still by the grace of God. It's still through His blood, what Jesus did on the cross. It doesn't make us worthy, I guess you could say. Uh, but fasting does assist our spiritual growth and maturity. It helps us in uh, the development of self-control. 
we can't outdo Jesus. But we can seek to be like him. And so let me encourage you this day. Seek to be like Jesus. Fast maybe a a daylight hour fast. Or maybe a day or two days. That has to be a decision that you make for yourself. But seek humility before your God. Develop this spiritual quality. Maybe you're here today and as of yet you've not stepped out to say, yes, I believe that Jesus is the Christ and I want to be named as one of His disciples. I want to serve Him day after day. Let's be standing. We'll sing another song in just a second. But if you are yet outside of Christ, you've not been buried with Him in baptism, let me encourage you this day to be buried in Jesus for the remission of your sins. If you'd like some of us to pray with you, we'll do that. If you're a Christian already, and you, but you're, you're struggling and you need prayer, there'll be some in the foyer or some here, we'll pray with you that God can give you peace, that He can give you strength. We encourage your response while we praise God in song.